Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Hello to all my affirminators and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity Murder Podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. What up? People, it's good to talk to you. We're coming to you live on a Friday night because apparently everybody, I didn't get the memo, everybody's going on vacation. Fran's going out of town. My lady's going out of town. So obviously it's Ferris Bueller's day home, day off at, 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 my, at my home. Uh, but So we had to record to accommodate Fran because he's going to uh, some kind of... Are you going to a jamboree or some kind of family? Uh, it's a beach. Or oh, beach trip. beach trip. Yeah. La, La Playa. That means beach? Uh-huh. Okay. I, was, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> cool. Fun. All right. Well, that's cool. Well, then I guess everything's going well with you. But anyway, I'm going to still ask you, uh, how are things going, Fran? Good. I'm tired. But, you know, I got my, my iced coffee here. So you do. You do have that. I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good right now. How about you? I'm good, man. I, I have the day off tomorrow, which is good Lucky because you. my feet are killing me. So um, it's going to be good to just, you know, get a break from work and, 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 and just rest the dogs and uh, <laughs> just, just take her easy, you know. Uh, rest the pit bulls. Yeah, rest the pit bulls. I got plans on um, seeing a movie or two this weekend. Okay. Yeah, you got to support. I'm, let, I'm, I'm putting the rallying call to everybody out there right now. There are two very important movies that came out this weekend, and you have to go support at least one this weekend and then go support the other one at some point. The two movies are Black Klansmen and Crazy Rich Asians. Now, the reason that you have to support these movies is because I'm sick of having debates with people on the internet about why it's so cool that Michael B. Jordan is going to be Superman or why Idris Elba is going to be in the James Bond movie, which I am a fan of. I think James Bond is more of a... uh, role changing kind of movie so mm-hmm. that's different but to say like uh for anybody who watches used to watch teen titans when they were a kid that girl who's playing starfire you know yes it's all inclusive and all that kind of stuff but that's just not what the character looked like to people for all these years and that's why it's catching people off guard i am a fan of telling people of colored stories and giving them original content to work with as opposed to just taking a character that's existed for hundreds of years and then just making them black or Mexican to, mm-hmm. like, make Mexican people happy. Like, no, how about you tell a movie, do a movie like Coco and tell an original story with the culture of that person that is beautiful and all this kind of stuff as opposed to saying, we're going to make The Little Mermaid again, but now she's Chinese. Whoa. 
crazy. <laughs> Everything's flipped on his head. It's like, no, Black Klansman is, is a second Jordan Peele film. He didn't write it and direct it, but he is a producer on it. It's a mm-hmm. Spike Lee joint. You know, so you got black directors working. You got, you know, it's a, it's a film about uh, this black police officer who infiltrated the Ku Klux Klan like in the seventies, and apparently mm. it's amazing. Like it's just, it just, it sounds like an amazing film. The Black Klansman. The Black Klansman. Yes. Uh, I want to go see that. He infiltrated the Ku Klux Klan by using his white voice on the phone, and then another like a white guy would actually go to the rallies, mm-hmm. but they were talking to the black guy whenever they call, like, "Hey, uh, Daryl" or whatever his name was. He'd be like, mm. "Hey guys, what? How's it going?" But it's a black guy. And Crazy Rich Asians is just a movie. It's like a romantic comedy with an all-Asian cast. But it's not set in 15th century Japan. And they're not samurais or (laughs) doing karate or wearing silk clothes. And they're not, like, living in dynasties. They just live in, like, houses and drive Bugattis and just are living. It's just a movie about eight. It's just a movie. It's a romantic comedy that just happens to be an all-Asian cast. It's not, like, a movie that is because it's an all-Asian cast, has to do with kung fu or, you know, uh, the railroads or anything. It's just, it's just a bunch... It's just a, it's just a funny comedy movie with an all-Asian cast. And bec- because of that, I feel like both of those two movies are very important, one more than the other. I think Asian people have not gotten their just due in this country. Only as of, like, two years ago, you could stop going like, oh, ho, ho. Like, that's, mm-hmm. like, not acceptable, not... Not as of that long ago, where that was that wouldn't get a laugh on a sitcom or something like that. Like, oh, slanty eyes, ha ha. So I think it's very important to see Asian people as sexy, as funny, as not a, 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 a accent. Just just you know, Ken Jong from The Hangovers in it, which isn't a great example because in The Hangover he is like Mr. Chow and he's like, oh, so long, gay boys. But <laughs> but he is in other stuff where he's just a. Asian American guy who's funny because he's funny and not because he's being stereotypical. So, I you know I'm imploring everybody who's listening go go watch one of these two movies. If you have to pick one, I'm going to be watching Black Klansman for sure. I'm going to watch both, but that that's probably the more like uh, exciting movie. I got a 97 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Black Klansman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I heard it's amazing. You know, I don't know what crazy, but I heard Crazy Rich Asians is funny and all this kind of stuff but it's it's just a different kind of storyline i heard i heard black klansman is like action-packed and and suspenseful and funny and well written and i all think i've seen stuff. the trailer of it and it reminded me of um undercover uh undercover brother undercover brother i feel like it reminded you of that. <laughs> it reminded you of that because he had an afro yeah <laughs> that's, that's i think that's the only like kind of similarity i saw but yeah sure it's undercover brother ish he might kind of looks like undercover brother i guess but um yeah, it was you, like in the seventies. Yeah, seventies ish. I think okay. I think seventies, late seventies, early eighties maybe. Uh, so I would say go see one of those movies just to support a uh, a movie that's not starring Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone for once. You know, it's just a different movie, a movie that's not a Scarlett Johansson movie. It's just go see some minority people in a movie that isn't so centered around uh the stereotypes of those people. You know, just go see you know black and yellow and brown people make good art. Anyway, my point is. You know, I think it's con- it's continuing this wave of you know Black Panther, Get Out, uh, what else? What else? Uh, you know, Coco. Even though it's an animated film, Coco. Um, what else was a good? You know, just a g- Moonlight was a. You know, I thought it was a little overhyped, but for what the movie was and the story that it was telling, I thought it was a very bold movie. So it's continuing this trend, even though we don't want it to be a trend. We want it to just be how the world is. Like everybody can tell their story. And seeing movies like this helps that happen, you know? 
So everybody, go to your local theater. You know, go support a film. And everybody know, except me, because I won't be going to the movie theater. That's for sure. That's that's fine. I, you know, that, that that's on you, man. You're going to be at La Playa, and I respect that. Well, I'm just saying because you know, I don't. I just not good at movie theaters. You know, I just I just don't do those. Waste my money, you know. Well, because you fall asleep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that is true. Friend does not stay up through anything, so that's your business. Anyway, we're <laughs> gonna get out of that. Uh, we. <laughs> Uh, that's that's my PSA for this week. Go see a film. Support you know support you know uh, actors and support uh, new stories and, and more will come. And uh, but what I want to do now, Fran entered my home with a surprise, and for the first time I no not the first time. This probably probably is more like the second time. But this is the bigger. This is definitely a bigger box. Uh, it's mail time. You've got mail, 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 mail. You've got mail, mail. You've got mail, mail. You've got mail. Okay, so now, folks, I'm going to open this live on air. It doesn't say who it's from, so it could be a bomb. Don't cut yourself. Why would you say that? Because it doesn't have a name on it. I mean, it could be. You, always, you never know, man. You got to always be on the lookout. Too bad for you because you got the box. If it's a bomb, I mean, you're not that far away from me. We don't fucking... Try and cut it with a butter knife. Dude, it's Great not job. a butter knife, man. This is a steak knife. Uh. All right. Cereal in the building. Dear Al and Fran, enjoy. And the, the, the sticky note says, dream on. Uh, this on. is a birthday cake cookie crisp uh, cereal. Mm, Damn, that's I want to say this is from... And yes, and this cereal is from Danielle Smith. Shout out to you, Danielle Smith. Thank you very much. A little uh, word of advice. I don't know how you package things in your state, but like very uh, ominous. And it it doesn't have a name or a return address or the the, the, the sticky note just says enjoy with three exclamation points. Like, let, talk to us. Say it. Yeah. Let us know uh, who you are. Next time, could you please put for anybody to put a return address, because I wasn't even going to grab it. I was like, yeah, I don't know who that's from. This could be a head in a box. <laughs> Luckily for us, it was birthday cake, uh, cookie crisp, but who knows what this could have been. I, I took a it, risk. And I heard cereal. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I took a risk. You know, imagine if you wouldn't have heard anything. I would imagine you would have just thrown it in the trash. Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> this could be uh, some kind of gas bomb, chemical, chemical warfare. We don't know. Anyway, Danielle Smith, thank you very much. I will probably be doing that. If I don't do it this month, I'll do it next month because I did already order a cereal and it cost money with the shipping. Um, And, uh, you know, so I don't know. Uh, That does look very good, though. Birthday cake. Mm. Yeah, that might get, uh, mm. yeah, that might get, that might get moved up the list. Anyway, thank you to Danielle Smith. We just had mail time. And now we're going to jump into these good vibe segments. So let's get to it, folks. Yes, that's right, folks. It's time for another Good Vibes segment to get us some light rays and some good energy before we dive into the muck and the mile and the darkness of the world. Fran, would you like to go first or would you like me to, you know, uh, tell my story first? How would you want this to go? Uh, You can go first. Okay, sure. I can do that. Okay, so my story this week is about an 80-year-old man who rescued a boy from drowning only to discover a twist mm-hmm. when he saved him. Okay. Hmm. So when an elderly man came to rescue came to the rescue of a drowning boy earlier this week, his life-saving efforts revealed a surprising connection between the two of them. 
80-year-old Zhu Fang had been resting in his Zutang home when he heard the crying of someone from the river. He and his wife rushed outside only to find an eight-year-old boy struggling to keep his head above the water. The youngster had been playing with his grandmother near the riverside when he accidentally fell in. And apparently his grandmother can't swim, so why would you be playing with your grandson by the riverside? <laughs> but that's besides the point. Anyway, now Zhu is not as fit as he used to be. According to Jiangsu Television, the senior sustained long-term injuries after he fell down the stairs two years ago. But that didn't stop him from leaping into action. Without hesitation, Shu jumped into the river and pulled the boy to safety. When Shu later shot when when Shu later stopped by the hospital to make sure the boy was okay, he discovered that he knew the boy's father as well. Now this shit is hilarious and amazing and a little sad. Okay. What they used to be like um Ninja Ninja Bros. That's racist. No, I'm gonna continue with my story. <laughs> we just had a whole thing. <laughs> That's not at it at all. Okay. The reason that they knew each other was because Shu had rescued his father from the same river 30 years ago. Wow. The father and son are not are not the only people who the spry senior has rescued from the river river either. He has saved three other people from drowning from the river since he moved into his home. And his wife has saved one. So y'all should move. I mean, can if anybody people, swim? No, I guess not. I guess we're learning that Chinese people apparently cannot swim in this province that this man lives at. And that would definitely sell my house. Me After like the third drowning, almost drowning incident, I'd be like, this place must be cursed. Yeah. You know, it's something about this water. His wife had to save somebody, you know. But, um... So this man is a real hero, and I don't mean, you know, uh, somebody who told somebody who's being racist at a grocery store, like, hey, don't say that. That's racist. I mean, he is like a Batman resting at his home, and then hears from a distance, and then he springs into action, you know, probably puts on, like, uh, the little little plugs you put on your nose, Uh like a little orange plug and some goggles. And his wife is there with water wings waiting to tag in if she needs to help out. And he, he jumps into the pool. I bet he, like, does, a like, a cool little flip into the river and then, you know, swims out, pulls people from rivers. He saved, like, six people. That's so crazy. shout out to Shu, Wee Fang, and uh, I hope you're around for a little bit longer, man. You never know when the next kid might, or adult person, might, you know, need your assistance. And you might need to call, be called back into action. Like that of a Batman or a, a Daredevil type of character. I mean, this guy is, you know, waiting in the shadows to spring into action and save people. Yeah, and also, I think they need to really thank him because it's like, if it wasn't for him, that generation wouldn't have got where it is. Yeah, he, he would have died. Him. Yeah, <laughs> that, boy, that boy, literally without <laughs> him, without Shu, that boy wouldn't have been there to be saved right. because he wouldn't have existed because his father would have died. Exactly. So shout out to you. And also, <laughs> I suggest somebody in this province maybe open up a YMCA or some kind of thing where they can teach people in this village how to swim because why does everybody keep drowning in this river? Or, or gate it off or something. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's pretty, but people are drowning often yeah. or almost drowning. Put a rope around it or seal it up or something. Something's got to be done. But shout out to Shu for being there when people need it the most. That is my good vibe story for this week. I like that. Um, I think we got a theme going on here. Uh, this really? was not planned. Okay. So my good vibe story this week is about <clears throat> Zach Edwards. Okay. Zach Edwards' wedding day was a pretty significant event. 
but not just because he got to marry the love of his life. Sure. It was uh, it was also because he ended up saving the life of a teenager minutes after saying I do. Oh, he got super laid that night by his wife. <laughs> Your wife just watches you like save a person? <laughs> it's over with. 37-year-old Coast Guard and his wife Cindy had just tied the knot on the sands of Shell, Shell Beach, Alabama last week when disaster struck. As they were posing for wedding pictures, they heard someone screaming for help. 18-year-old Jamel Robinson God, was God. trapped in a rip a riptide 50 yards out from the seashore. Right, and it was yeah, it was clear that he was struggling to stay afloat. Though there were lifeguards on duty at the time, they were busy saving other drowning swimmers from the current. So they were they okay, were so it's, the, so it's the current, <laughs> it's not cuz he was black. No, 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 no. Okay. But they were busy though, like Yeah, everybody's drowning. <laughs> it's like they That's they, insane. they had, he, they had so few lifeguards on hand cuz they were all busy that this guy had to just jump in the river on in his tux. Right. <laughs> right. Uh Cindy immediately urged her newlywed husband to save the boy. Zach took off his wedding shirt and was about to take off his pants before his wife said there was no time. So without further delay, it's a rental. He, <laughs> he took off. He took off down the beach, and I just picture him. Feet I bet going I, through the this, sand. It's Alabama. Just... <laughs> I feel like this guy definitely has a gut. You know, probably frosted tip, spiky hair, maybe a soul patch, little 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 flavor saver at the bottom of his lip, and he went to take off his pants because it was definitely because it was a rental. So he's like, I'm not going to get my deposit if I get it wet. We don't have time for this. You have to go save him. That's my Well, opinion. your description of him was wrong. Oh, and is he two, buff? He didn't have a tux. He's a Coast Guard, so he was he was, he was he was fit. He oh, okay. Was a big, he was a, a buff guy. My apologies. Yeah. <laughs> don't disrespect Zach like that. I'm sorry, Zach Edwards. So before he plunged into the surf, he grabbed a boogie board from the, some some beachgoers and made his way out to the Made his way out to the team. Zach helped the boy onto the board and started helping him back to shore. As they as they continued swimming, however, the groom started to get tired and slightly panicked. Mm. He said, "Quote: I eventually reached him, but were but we were about a half a football field away from shore. Mm. He just kept saying, I can't breathe. The current was really strong, and it was stopping us from it was stopping us coming any further." The pants were making it hard to kick. So, he, he had so if he would have died, skinny jeans on. if he would have died, his <laughs> wife would have been responsible for a for sending him out there, mm-hmm. b for telling him not to take off his pants. Yeah. Wow. God knew he was a coast guard. He knew he, he knew he was like, these pants. We don't have time. <laughs> don't take the pants off. Shit. He grabbed the boogie board. I bet he like like did the boogie throw like threw the boogie board and jumped on it and rode it <laughs> rode it into the ocean. I bet. That in a moment like that, if I get a moment to be a hero, I'm doing some slick shit. I doubt it. I don't know. Me? Uh, I don't doubt it. I'm gonna run and then I'm gonna cartwheel into a backflip into the ocean. No, you wouldn't. Yeah. Can you do a cartwheel into a backflip? No. I got enough adrenaline. <laughs> yeah, sure. I could do it into the ocean because the part where I wouldn't make finish the flip, my head would just go into the water. You don't got time for all that. Man is dying out there. You try to do flips and show off. What if I don't do something real cool and then he dies anyway? And then nobody remembers that you tried to do a flip. You don't know, man. <laughs> and then he's going to say he died because you tried to do a flip. We have very low standards in this country these days. Somebody, some people might have just been like, but that backflip, though. You know? I guess. So thankfully, a team of rescuers arrived by Jeski and pulled Zach and Jamel out of the water. Oh, so he didn't save him. They just both almost drowned. Yeah. <laughs> he did save him, though. I mean, I guess he stopped him from drowning. Yeah, yeah he stopped him from drowning. Yeah, he had to but pull then him they up both needed help. 
Yeah. So he temporarily, he, he stalled him from dying long enough for them both to be rescued. Yeah. That's a hero. That's yeah, a hero. of course it is. That's a hero. No, nah, because at first I was like, oh, so he just got stuck out there too. Yeah, but the, but it was, the guy was drowned. Uh, yeah, no, I got it. the guy was drowning. He like held him up long he enough got him up on for, the board. to keep him alive. Yeah, and then real professionals came and finished off the yeah, job. Yeah, but they got to him on jet skis. They didn't swim out to him. Yeah, no, I'm not denying that. All right, I, you, his effort his effort was great. I know it was. But if you run a hundred yard or you run ninety nine yards and you don't get across the goal line, you didn't score a touchdown. But you on the one. Yeah, and then somebody else they bring in the <laughs> they bring in the stronger person hey, the job off. Teamwork with the dream work. Exactly. Shout out to you, Zach. I'm not I'm not shitting on him. Yeah. So can I finish? Yeah, <clears> thank you, sir. Sorry about that, man. Sure so quote, I didn't really take in the gravity of the situation until I laid down that night. Afterwards my hand my hands were shaking, but the adrenaline was just pumping. Mm. Jamel was Jamel was shaken but unharmed by the by the incident, and he was able to start his senior year of high school after this. He and his mother thank Zach for the rescue, but the groom says that it was all in a wedding day's work. Not really, though. This was very unique to his wedding. <laughs> Nobody else can say that they did that on their wedding day. But shout out to him, though. Yeah, but he it was a joke. I know it was a joke, man. Then why are you breaking down my story? Did I do that to yours? I'm not saying breaking down your you story. You are. I'm not bringing you down your story, man. I'm just saying this is a very unique situation that he went through. Yeah, but and, you... And he's trying to be humble, but fuck that. I wouldn't be humble. I would be bragging forever that I saved somebody on my wedding day. But this is what he does, though. Oh, because he's a Coast Guard? He's a Coast Guard. Yeah, but he's off, though. On his wedding day, I would have been like, first of all, I would have been like, baby, break out the red <laughs> panties. I need I need that extra freaky freaky tonight. Man, I don't know what you're talking about. We talking about good vibe stories and yeah, that's a good vibe too. And you the talking about should, pantyhose, the man. The guy should be rewarded by his wife for for for. Uh, they were already gonna have a beautiful love making session. I'm sure the candles were gonna be lit. Taco meat was gonna be out. She was probably gonna have on something lacy. But now you should take that and go a uh, next level above because now you're having fornications with a hero. You lost me, man. <laughs> have you never uh, been in a room with two people that have got married? The passion is high. I have never been to a wedding. Well, that's just sad. How? What are you, 27? What's that supposed to mean? you never been to a wedding? No. Open bar, free drinks? Mm-mm. Well, I've been to several weddings, and let me tell you something. The heat coming off those two people is could burn you, third degree. Now imagine, take that burning passion and throw on, the, on top of the fact that one of them just saved a, a man from dying. I'm just saying he should get like a Julius Caesar treatment that night. How you she know if he did it, it Throwing it backwards. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I'm, I'm hoping. That's what I'm saying. Ho- oh. I'm hoping for him that she threw it backwards, jumped off the dresser, all that, you know. They were swinging from the chandelier. That's what I hope for, for him because real heroes deserve, you know, a hero's welcome. Jump off the dresser. Jump off the dresser, man. That's extreme. Have man. you ever saved somebody? No. Me either. I won't know what that sex is like. That's probably what I imagine it's like. It's like extra. I agree. All right. Well, then I, well, we there's nothing left out to talk about. Shout out to Jeremy Evans. What? No. Zach Edwards? Oh, yeah, yeah. Shout man, out to- I'll jump over this table. You just make him like that. Shout out to Zach Edwards, man. And shout out to Zhu We Fang. You know, a couple of good vibe stories this week. And uh, a new thing that I'm going to do before I send us away is I've, um, one of the requirements to get into the Facebook group, which has been jumping as of late. We've been having some real oh, fun yeah. conversations mm-hmm. on there. Uh, one of the requirements is to tell me your favorite R&B jam. Now, the first per- uh, person, first time... Wait, do you get a message? 
No, you get a request, and then you have to, you know, they have to answer the three questions, and then, you know. It's what like, are three questions? The first question is, um, have you ever listened to affirmative murder? If you say no, I'm probably not gonna. You go to the bottom of the list. It's like, well, has why anybody you... done that? Yeah. Really? People have been like, no. If it's a not yet, it's like, okay, cool, that's fine. But like, nope. It's like, okay, well then, what? What? Why are you here? So that's you, funny. You go down the list immediately. It's like, okay, next. <laughs> the second question is, uh, what's your favorite '90s R&B or favorite '90s jam? Not even a specific genre. Uh-huh. Uh, just whatever your favorite '90s jam is. Everybody usually answers. Some people go, that's hard. For the first time this week, somebody went, I don't know what that is. Could you define that for me? Okay. It's like, are you seven? I mean, do you not know what the <laughs> '90s are and what a jam is? Do they think I mean like, what's your favorite type of jam? Like apricot from the '90s, like a- strawberry. What's your favorite type of jam? It's uh, like, what's your favorite song from the '90s? I thought it was self-explanatory, but that one person. There you go. There's your explanation. Mm. The final question is, can you participate in a group debate without being a total a-hole? Which I think is a a good question. Mm-hmm. I think most people would answer yes, but if you're honest enough to go, nah, man, I'm a dick. Well, then I respect it. I'm not going to let you in the group, but I respect your honesty. But mm-hmm. everybody says yes. A lot of people go, I mean, obviously, I'm an adult. And then somebody says something, and they're like, well, you fuck you, you're wrong. So everybody has answered <laughs> yes, and we haven't had any incidents yet, thank God. But everybody's going to answer yes to that question probably because everybody thinks more of themselves than they are. Everybody thinks, I'm a rational person. I don't get affected by what people's words. Mm-hmm. And then somebody says, you know, um, actually, that documentary is stupid. They're like, you're stupid. Fuck you. So anyway, my point was, uh, you know, every week we pick a song, uh, you know, a nice fun song to send us off to. I'm actually going to start picking people's 90s jams and giving them a shout out okay. to send us off to. Uh, so this week, um, you know, yeah, you know what? This week, you know, we're going to go with the oldie but a goodie, one that I don't think we've done in here. This one goes out to Brittany Lang. Shout out to you. She picked Backstreet, No Diggity. I mean, uh, I mean that's that's just universally a good-ass song. So uh, we're going to um, go out and uh, take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some fucked up shit. So uh, enjoy the grooves of Blackstreet. Mm, Shawty, get down, good lord. Yo, Trey, drop the verse. Going down, fades of Black Street. The homies got at me, collab creations. Bump like agony, no doubt. I put it down, never slouch. As long as my credit can vouch, a dog couldn't catch me. Some people could stop with Dre making moves, attracting honeys like a magnet. Giving them orgasms with my mellow accent. Still moving this flavor with the homies Black Street and Teddy, the original rough shakers. All right, folks, and we are back. And before I get into my affirmative murder this week, because it is my turn to go first, I want to uh, give a little backstory about the story that I'm doing. So uh, a lady named Casey Sarvello put up a question on the Facebook group asking who our fa- like, who's your favorite serial killer or something like that. Um, she said hers was Edmund Kemper and so on and so forth. I ended up saying uh, I thought that was a weird question because I don't have a favorite serial killer. But then when I thought about it, I said... Well, no, I mean, I understand what she's saying. I have, I have like, cases that interest me the most. And the mm-hmm. two cases that I said were the Zodiac Killer and the story that I'm doing to get today, the Servant Girl Annihilator. Now, um, the story, the first story is, like, the most, like, one of the most iconic, like, never-caught serial killers ever, the Zodiac Killer. The second one uh, might not sound familiar until you get the context of the story, which I'm going to give today, and then you'll understand why it's one of my favorite cases, which it's also a cold case. But just 
the fun thing about cold cases is well not there's no fun people somebody died but there's no but the one fun thing in a sea of awful is that there's this kind of realm of speculation that you get to live in which you know can lead to the wilder the speculation it could lead to you know an outside the box theory that leads to somebody actually getting caught like the golden state killer you know that you know which happened this year off of somebody just running some DNA, you know? You talking so, about the Zodiac Killer? No. Oh. I'm talking about the Golden State Killer. Oh, I thought you meant the... Oh, no, okay, never mind. I thought you meant the cold case, which you was talking about. No, the cold case I'm talking about is the oh, Serpent okay. Girl Annihilator. Oh, okay, That's the okay. one I'm doing this All week. Right. But I'm just saying when you... You'll understand why it's my favorite case when I'm done, but the thing that I like about cold cases is that you can speculate and, and, and come up with theories, and sometimes these theories, yeah. no, no matter how wild they may be, can lead to an actual clue or, or, you know, a discovery, like with the Golden State Killer was my example, and then you bust a case wide open and you end up catching somebody, yeah. you know, which we saw as an example this year. I mean, I've done a, co- a couple cold cases, and I, the, the reason why I like them is because you just, it's like you like, wait, they, they had this piece, but they just couldn't match it with yep. this and that, and it's exactly. like they had the guy questioning him, but they couldn't do nothing, yeah. and they just never had a fucking person. It's like, exactly. That's just... And even in those cases where they had a guy, there's... In a cold case, unless it's clear, mm-hmm. sometimes it's just you were just throwing, you know, some bologna on the wall and hoping mm-hmm. it would stick, and it didn't. This guy's just who you wanted it to be, but you couldn't prove it. It could be somebody completely different than that guy that you or a girl that you that you had questioned. You were like, I'm sure it was them, but since you never closed the case, it's never a hundred percent positive that that was the person. Even if, you know, no matter how much evidence you think you had, you didn't have enough to convict them. So it's always that one percent chance that it was somebody you never even considered right anyway so yes my affirmative murder this week is the story of the servant girl annihilator three years before jack the ripper stalked the streets of london another midnight murderer was prowling halfway across the world in austin texas an individual who became known as the servant girl annihilator was responsible for the deaths of eight people between late 1884 and christmas eve of 1885 Attacking victims in their beds and then dragging them outside to mutilate their bodies, the killer eluded police, private investigators, and mobs of civilians who took to the unpaved streets of newly settled Austin in anger and panic. Drag them outside? Yeah, so he would break in, attack you, drag you outside, and then finish you off. And I'll get to how he would finish you off in a lot of of different stories. But he was able to get away in the darkness because it is the 1880s, so... It's not like there were police cameras or something. It just if you were fast enough and it was dark enough, you got away. We had a black hoodie on. Black I don't hoodie. know if they wore hoodies back then. You know, <laughs> maybe some kind of uh, like pilgrim hat. You know, and he just had it low, so you can't see his he eyes. Had a top hat on. Yeah, like a top hat, like an Abe Lincoln like hat. Abraham, yeah. And he just had it real low, so you couldn't see his eyes, like how Jay Z wears his hat. Eyewitnesses claimed it was a man who has been called America's first serial killer. And his crimes remain unsolved to this day. Just two decades prior to the murders, Austin was a rustic cow town with a population below 5,000. Right? Skip Hollinsworth, who is a person I'm going to be uh, quoting a lot in this story because he had, he wrote a book about this and, and he has a lot of information on Texas. And so he has, a lot of, he has a lot of quotes. And, well, it's not his article, but the article that I'm referencing has a lot of quotes oh. from Skip Hollinsworth in it. So it'll say like says Hollinsworth in a lot of the quotes. So that uh-huh. that's Skip Hollinsworth. Uh, yeah, so Skip Hollinsworth is a, jo- a journalist at Texas Monthly and the author of The Midnight Assassin, 
Panic, Scandal, and the Hunt for America's First Serial Killer. Long book title, but hey, man. Oh, that was the title? That's the whole title. <laughs> you know, yes, uh, it's it's uh, The Midnight Assassin, Panic, Scandal, and the Hunt for America's First Serial Killer. So that's, that's like the bad. whole book page. That, but that's that, still like the whole front cover. That's though. cool, though. And it's like, bam, 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 yeah. bam, first. It's you know, one of them like red. red. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. One of the <laughs> killers red, and yep. everything else is white, and then first is big letters, I like all it. caps. I like it. Yeah, okay, yeah. It's starting to grow on me, too, as I start to describe <laughs> it. Yeah, That's a, that's an eye-popping, uh, that's definitely an eye-popping uh, sleeve. It's an mm. eye-popping book sleeve. By 1885, the time of the murders, the city had reached the verge of being modern, boasting 14,500 residents, numerous restaurants and hotels, and an under-construction Capitol building. So it really hit this kind of industrial boom, and people started flooding to the town, coming out west, I guess. And, you know, the population went from below 5,000 to 14,500. They started having businesses, and were doing all this new construction, and were building a Capitol building. So really, all this infrastructure started coming into Austin, Texas, right around uh, um, 1885 when these murders were starting to take place. According to Hollinsworth... Austin had all the makings of an urban paradise. Instead, it became an urban hell. The killer's first victim was Molly Smith, a young black cook discovered in the snow near her employer's home on December 30th, 1884. Right after Christmas? Dang. Yeah. Right right before New Year's, man. Yeah. Yeah. Almost saw 85, you know. Mm. With a gaping axe wound in her head, Smith had also been stabbed in the chest abdomen, legs, and arms, creating such a large pool of blood she appeared to almost be floating in it. Wow. After that was another black cook, Eliza Shelley, found on May 7th, 1885. So, uh, about about four months later. Uh, about five months later, actually. Shelley's head was nearly split in two with an axe. Mm-hmm. The Annihilator's choice of target and modus operandi were becoming apparent. Black women. Uh, Irene Cross, a servant and the third black woman targeted by the Annihilator, was attacked on May 23rd. She was stabbed multiple times with a knife and practically scalped. Jesus Christ. Um, These are all women. These are all women, all black women. Mm. All, you know, servants, you know. Because... You know, slavery was abolished in 1865, but they were probably still basically, you know, slaves, but making a little bit of money and got to go home at the end of the day. So I guess that's better. He's a gruesome, though. Jesus. Very gruesome murders, yes. Uh, Split some money. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was around this time that short story author O. Henry, yes, O. Period Henry. So that's whatever his first name is, this is his pseudonym that he decided to go by. Instead of, you know, Orenthal or whatever his first name is, he mm-hmm. just went by O. Henry. Reminds me of that. Remember that? Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Boom. Auto parts. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes, that's right. That is the uh, a classic jingle. I don't know if that was a nationwide campaign or if that was just local, but if you know, you know. Um, so, yeah, O. Henry is actually the person who gave the killer his nickname. Uh he was quoted as saying, the town is fearfully dull. Uh, he was This was in a letter to his friend, Dave Hall. 
except for the frequent raids of the servant girl annihilators who make things lively during the dead hours of the night. So he basically was sent a letter to his friend. Yo, day, what up? It's dead. Okay. But however, it's people getting killed here. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to, sh shout out to Cameron. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, hey, ma. Uh, hey, Dave. So he sent that to a letter to his friend Dave. And uh, so that kind of is what coined the uh, nickname, the servant girl annihilator from okay. this person, O. Henry's letter to his friend Dave. The spine tingling moniker was perhaps a bit of a stretch, however. Only the first few to die were actually servants. The next victim, 11-year-old Mary Ramey, was dragged outside and into a wash house, raped and stabbed through the ear with what was believed to be some type of screwdriver. What is on, a wash house? On August 30th. I mean, I would assume that's where you take a bath because it's 1880s and they don't have bathrooms in their house, maybe. Mm. So it's like an outhouse, which is a bathroom. Right. But instead, it's like they have steamy buckets of water and soap. Hmm. But that's just a guess. I don't know. <laughs> you know, so, but yeah, he took her into one of those. I would assume it's some kind of private house mm -hmm. separate where you could take somebody and close the door right. and be tucked away. And uh, yeah, he raped Mary Ramey, who was 11 years old. What? And um, stabbed her in the ear with what is what was believed to be some type of screwdriver. In the ear? in the ear on August 30th. It was still in her ear when they found it. Wow. Uh, the following two victims were a pair, Gracie Vance and Orange Washington. Now, Excuse me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, her name was Orange. And um, these were both why? young black women. Um, why? why? I don't know. I've heard of Violet. You know, uh, Beyonce's daughter's name is Blue. But orange is not a, like a cute word. No. It's a bad word. If we didn't have to say it so much, it would be a word I would never use. Mm -hmm. But an orange tastes good. The color orange comes up a lot. But it's not a great word. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know why her name was orange. I orange. don't like that at all. Was it spelled differently? Nope. Spelled exactly ah. the same. Okay. O-R-N-O-R-A-N-G-E. But it does set you up for like a pretty... like pretty good jokes yeah like where it's like oh man orange you startled me it's like well orange you glad i'm not a murderer <laughs> and then she folds her arms and she pauses and then the, the credits roll and then the theme music plays like the tv <laughs> um so yeah so on september 28th 1885 they were found with their heads bludgeoned according to a report in the austin daily in the, in the Austin Daily Statesman, which is the magazine, I guess. Uh, Gracie was almost beaten into jelly. What? He, she beat was beaten. There's nothing recognizable. She really just obliterated this person. <clears throat> Although the police worked diligently to catch the killer, public outrage began to surface when on Christmas Eve, 1885, he committed two separate crimes in entirely different locations. Susan Hancock, described by a reporter as one of the most refined ladies in Austin and 17-year-old Eula Phillips, both murdered inside their homes. Susan's head was cleaved in two just before midnight on Christmas Eve, and her wounds showed that something sharp and thin had been stuck through her right ear into her brain. Uh, Eula's life ended around an hour after Susan was discovered in the early morning of Christmas Day. Once again, her head had been crushed by an axe. Mm. She had been raped, and her arms were pinned down by timber. Mm. So where did this newfound rage come from? 
Eula Phillips, and by newfound rage, I mean people were, you know, after these two murders, people were, you know, this, we need to do something right. about this. So this came from the fact that Eula Phillips and Susan Hancock shared one trait that none of the other dead victims shared. They were both white. Mm. And it was the late 1800s when racism was still blatantly rampant. Because of this racial difference, the citizenry was in an uproar. So that pretty much fucked up the investigation, I'm guessing. I don't think were... there was much of an investigation. But I mean, throw them off, though, that. right? That the, that the whole motive changed? Yeah. Yeah. Because it went from, okay, well then, you know, what are we... I mean, they're just killing black women, so yeah. just don't... <laughs> Don't let black women in your house. I don't know. You want to go get a donut? I don't know what they were saying, but you know, like, I'm sure it wasn't high on there. It was like, yeah, we have to, these, these are gruesome murders mm-hmm. and we have to report them and everything like that, but this isn't affecting us. Right. You know, these are just servant girls. They're lower class people. They don't matter as much. And then it was like, whoa, Susan and Eula are dead. Well, you, Susan is the most elegant woman in town. We have to get all the men and all the labor on this immediately. Mm-hmm. This person needs to be brought to justice. Yeah, I mean, I have an announcement to all the serial killers out there. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you should go and kill people, but I mean, I can't stop you. Mm-hmm. Why the holidays? Why around holidays? Why? You saying you know go get some cake or some yeah you know, just get, get a present you know go get get the Christmas spirit within you yeah or let at least let people live another week or two at least I mean you know let people get through the holidays Christmas Day Christmas but, Eve hey, sometimes that urge hits you and also maybe Jeez. Christmas is like again we don't we don't live in these people's minds we don't know how it works maybe there's something about traveling or there's less people on the streets or something about that time that makes it optimum to take people and kill. Oh, he doesn't have a family. I mean, I would imagine that that's probably a strong possibility with this much anger in a person. But we don't know. This is a cold case, so we don't know who committed these murders, mm-hmm. you know? Um absent in every other killing, the wood pieces brought up a terrifying possibility. What if another killer was at work? Did mm-hmm. Austin perhaps have multiple serial killers on the loose? Until that point, no one had considered there would be more than one maniac involved. Of course, at the time, the phrase serial killer had not been coined. No one had thought of studying crime scenes to help create psychological profiles of a killer. Fingerprinting and blood type and blood typing hadn't been invented yet. Police relied on dogs to track suspects, and a team of bloodhounds ran the lengths of Austin's unpaved streets nightly, sniffing and howling. So that was their big, like, secret weapon. Hmm. So that's just to show you the times. I mean, I'm sure a bloodhound is very thorough, but if that's all you got to rely on, I would imagine I could throw off a dog by just, you know, working diligently all night, killing people and working up a sweat and then hitting a wash house, taking a nice bath and changing my clothes. You probably laughed at him. Yeah, he's like, oh yeah, oh no, not the dogs. <laughs> Those ugly, droopy dogs. No disrespect to bloodhounds, but um, y'all are ugly. You know what I'm saying? Y'all, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sure they're lovable, but it's a face only a mother could love. You know, like, I definitely have never seen a bloodhound and be like, oh, look at the little jumper. Never. You know, their eyes are always red like alcoholics. 
and their face is always drooping. And all tired. Yeah. Ears all down. Like, how do you always look like you just worked 60 hours this week? <laughs> you know? Get yourself, pull yourself together. And they always, like, they don't just bark. They go, Whoa! like, they really oh, just, God. you know, it's like an annoying. <laughs> they're a very annoying type of dog, you know? And then they come with this arrogance of, like, you know, well, I'm also, like, a world-class sniffer, so treat me with respect. Get the fuck out of here, man. Go eat a fucking kibbles and bits. Fetch me a goose. Yeah, right? You know? Sorry, I didn't mean to hop on my soapbox, but <laughs> that just is not. I feel like that's been America's dog for Somebody a long come time. Somebody will you for that one. I'm sure somebody's listening as a bloodhound. <laughs> that dog is looking at you with this ugly, sad face right now as I'm uh, describing it. And you're like, my fuck you. My dog's adorable. It's not. I'm sure he's a nice, sweet boy and uh, adorable and fetches. But your dog's ugly. And that's just a fact. U-G-L-Y. He ain't got no alibi. He ugly. <laughs> anyway. The Annihilator boldly crisscrossed his city, hunting down women regardless of race or class, striking quickly in moonlight um, in moonlit nights, and then vanishing just as quickly. Private investigators were brought in by police who hoped they'd be able to catch something their officers couldn't, but their presence only whipped Austin into more of a panic. So basically... You know, the, you know, Sherlock Holmes has started showing up and people who use, uh, you know, different tactics than the police use. Like, I am, uh, I use the ability, I look at footprints and stuff that seemed crazy at the time mm-hmm. where people were, you know, starting to go, oh my God, like, there's a bunch of people here all trying to catch this person. Like, this is making us more scared. Like, mm-hmm. why why do all these specialists need to come in? Is, is You know, so people started really panicking as to why the police couldn't solve this case. Um, but then all of a sudden the murder stopped altogether. The annihilators body count totaled eight, six women, an 11 year old girl and a man Hmm. though around 400 men were arrested in 1885 under the suspicion of being the annihilator. None were ever successfully tried. The list included Walter Spencer, the boyfriend of the first victim acquitted after a two day trial, two suspicious looking white brothers found with blood on their clothes Eula's husband, Jimmy Phillips, and Susan's husband, Moses Hancock. Phillips, the prosecutor claimed, was a copycat killer before the term even existed. Using the murders of Austin's black working class as an excuse to kill his unfaithful and beautiful wife, which that's a great, uh, that's a great attempt as a lawyer. Mm. Uh, That's a twist that I can get behind. And if you can even prove that a little bit, I go, yeah, maybe, I mean. All of a sudden, the people, you know, but there are two white victims. Mm. So there's a hole right there. But that's a solid attempt, you know, to frame a person if, mm. if that's what's happening here. But that's what they tried to use as, you know, this guy, Jimmy Phillips, motive for uh, murdering his wife, Eula. Uh, so that's what they tried to say. Uh, Phillips' conviction was overturned within six months. Hancock's trial was a hung jury. So both of those white women never got justice either. And uh, the Annihilator was still out there. And here's where the story... So everything I've said up to this point, um, some people might go, man, that is messed up. I'm like, why is this... What, you know, we've heard we've heard crazier. This is where the story goes into why it's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Okay. So several theories exist about the real identity of the murderer and the abrupt ending to his killing spree. One possibility is that he was a Malaysian cook named Maurice working at the Pearl House, a hotel in Austin. Maurice told acquaintances that he planned to travel ship, travel by ship to London 
and left town in January of 1886, several weeks after the servant girl murders had ended. A strong presumption that the Malay was the murderer of the Austin women was created by the fact that all of them except two of the three, or all of them except two or three, resided in the immediate neighborhood of the Pearl House. So they all lived kind of close to where this guy worked, this Malaysian guy named Maurice. Around the time, another famous serial killer named Jack the Ripper mm. was terrorizing women of London. Mm. Is it possible that Maurice, responsible for the eight deaths in Austin, had traveled across the world to avoid captivity and continue his depraved midnight es escapades in London? The newspaper, though, the newspaper thought there was a chance, but there was a lack of solid evidence, and a hundred years later, it's unlikely we'll ever learn the truth. Author Shirley Harrison also believes that the Annihilator and the Ripper are one and the same, though she names Liverpool cotton merchant James Maybrick instead of the Malaysian chef Maurice. According to Maybrick's own purported journals, which included confessions of killing prostitutes, as well as a page signed Jack the Ripper. Maybrick was in Austin on the dates that the Annihilator murders occurred. Another detail that could point to an English Annihilator. So basically they have two suspects that they, well, not they, but there are theories out there that believe that this guy, Maurice, who lived in Austin, but then moved to London, could be both the servant girl Annihilator and Jack the Ripper, probably the most famous serial killer, definitely in the UK. But maybe, you know, that's like, a, he's like a myth. Like, you know, the Wolfman or whatever. Like, he's a real person, though. Like, that, that really crazy. happened. It's not a TV show. That really happened. And they think that this guy might be not only coined as America's first serial killer, but like London's first serial killer as well. And then there's another woman who's an author who believes that this guy named James Maybrick is also both the ser the servant girl annihilator and Jack the Ripper. I think it is. Just just it just sounds good, right? Yeah. That's why it's one of my favorite <laughs> stories. I mean, it would be crazy like this guy who they who has a journal that police discovered that says sign it's signed Jack the Ripper, Jack the Ripper and has confessions of killing uh sex workers. He also was in Austin at the time of of the uh servant girl annihilator murders. So that's one theory. That this guy Maybrick, because he was in both Austin and London, so he basically kind of alluded to himself being Jack the Ripper, and he was in Austin. And then this guy Maurice, who there is no really, uh, you know, they didn't find any evidence of him being a killer, but he did go from Austin to London, and the murders stopped slightly before he left Austin and moved to London. And That's then crazy. the murders in London, the Jack the Ripper murders started you know, after he wasn't in Austin anymore. That's wild. So obviously the the uh, the Maybrick theory is a little stronger because there's like a book with him writing Jack the Ripper in it and confessing to killing mm -hmm. people. But either way, there's two separate theories that the Servant Girl Annihilator and Jack the Ripper are the same person. So that fascinates me. And then there's yet another theory laid out in a 2014 episode of History Detectives that accuses a young black man working in downtown Austin named Nathan Elgin, a cook and only 19 years old at the time, of being the annihilator as well. He was shot by police when he tried to drag a girl out of a saloon, which is, well, that's such a, such an 18th century sentence, uh, dragged a girl out of a saloon. 
uh, where he was drinking in February of 1886. He died from his wounds right around the time the murders, coincidentally or not, stopped. Now, I will say that with a grain of salt that I don't believe the word of a white man from 200 years ago, period. You know, <laughs> so them saying, oh, yeah, man, he got belligerent. He dragged this girl out of a saloon. So we shot him. That sounds boring. But also, it could just be a lie. You know what I mean? Like Emmett Till, there's so many cases of just people saying, yeah, I something happened, so we killed him. You know, I mean, I, maybe this guy was a crazy guy who pulled a girl out of a saloon, but maybe he was just some young black dude who got into an argument, or maybe the girl was giving him some rhythm, and he, you know, the guy got jealous, like, what's this black guy doing touching our women? And, and then he shot him. You know, you never know. Mm. I don't trust the word of a white man in 1885 mm. at all. So I'm not going to say... Well, good job on that police officer. Well, I don't trust police now. So I'm definitely not going to trust the police in 1885. So I'm not just going to go, yeah, well, maybe that was the case. Maybe this guy was, you know, wasn't just the victim of a police shooting. Maybe he's also a serial killer because he grabbed a woman. You know, like, that's kind of a big leap to make. <laughs> but so I'm not just going to go, yeah, that's a solid theory. Uh, I don't like that one. Yeah, it definitely is like... Well, the Maurice one isn't that strong either, but just to go... It just sounds so much better. It's just like... What, that they might be could be both, be both of them? That's, yeah, that's... That's yeah. crazy. It, it's... That's, <laughs> I don't believe this one either. This is the least... The theory that I uh, go with the least. Right. And it's the newest one. It's from 2014, so... Oh. Meh. But I just felt like I had to mention it, that mm -hmm. there's another theory that's not as, not as entertaining as the other two. Mm -hmm. Um, it's hardly a closed case, especially as strangers continually flooded the city looking for jobs at Austin's many construction sites. It's possible that the Annihilator moved on after the Capitol building was finished in 1888, taking his bloodthirsty impulses with him. Devotees of the case like, like to tie the servant girl murders to subsequent crimes along the eastern seaboard. So basically, they never caught this person, so it almost became... If a woman died in a crazy way, anywhere in the world, it was like, oh, that might be uh, the same guy that did those servant girl annihilations in Texas, you know? So it kind of became like the boogeyman for any kind of unsolved mystery murder. Maybe this person's some drifter who went along the eastern seaboard just murdering people. Uh, it's a way of connecting the dots among horrific crimes, but it raises a difficult question. What's scarier, that a man escaped over and over, continuing to maim and kill in multiple cities? or that the modern era has given birth to countless such monsters, each uniquely capable of depraved crimes. Now, I would say the second, but one guy who's really good is terrifying as well. Like my story last week, the Zodiac Killer was very good. He was so good at what he did, he started taunting the police. So one person who's really good at killing is terrifying, but it's also terrifying to just go, oh, you... It's something we kind of deal with today where it's like, oh, you can't even really go anywhere because everybody's crazy. Mm, yeah. So uh, that's more scary to me. But also having a face or at least like a a person to go, oh, there's a person out there doing this. Mm. That's scary as well. But it's more scary in like a global sense that, you know, there's so many people capable of butchering you or, yeah. you know, just killing you senselessly. That's more terrifying in a different kind of way. Mm. But it doesn't. It's not like Jason scary. The other one's like Jason scary. Like, oh, there's a guy, you know, who could he just could be anywhere, and he does this. He smashes your head with an axe. But like, 
everybody being crazy is way more scary as like an adult who goes out wants to go to Trader Joe's wants to go to the movies you know so um yeah well anyway that was my affirmative murder the story of the servant girl annihilator is one of my favorite stories because um because of the whole mystery of it all like yeah. is this person both Jack the Ripper and the servant girl annihilator America's first serial killer and London's first serial killer you know is he you know two different it, are these two different horrible stories, one in the same person, and one of which being, like, an iconic folk story mm -hmm. that is actually... I think people forget that that's a real thing, mm -hmm. but Jack the Ripper really happened, and they think it might be the Servant Girl Annihilator. That is a theory that's out there. So I just think that that's pretty crazy. So that was well, That's the best part about Cold Cases is the mystery part, and then the fact that the creepy part is, is this guy could be, like... Right up under your nose. Like, you yeah. could be walking past this guy every day. Yeah. He could be some small Malaysian man. That's crazy. Making you uh, breakfast at a hotel. And then at night, he goes out and just butchers people. That's and then wild. one day, he's like, all right, guys, well, I'm going to London now, so it's nice to meet you. <laughs> and then he gets on a boat and just goes somewhere else and fucking just blows through London. <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's France time to tell you some fucked up shit. So stay tuned. All right, guys, and we are back. Really quickly before I throw it over to Fran, I want to say that we are down to, like, our last 25 stickers. So what I wanted to do was I want to see if this will work. It might not work, but, you know, I'm just going to put it out there. I want to see uh, you guys' artistic side. So from now on with these last 25 stickers, I'm challenging whoever gets a sticker to take the sticker and put it in the most creative place that you can think of within your city. Go out. Within reason, obviously, don't do something illegal. Duh. You know, like, if you live in D.C., don't go try to fucking put it on the White House or something like that. Um, go, but go put it awesome. on. Uh, hey, we, <laughs> I'm not endorsing that. that would, would it be awesome? Yeah, I sure. am. Say no. <laughs> <laughs> would it be awesome? Yeah, sure. But don't, we are not saying do that. Don't do that. I'm saying, like, you know, do you have a cool music venue in your town that, you know, has a bunch of stickers on the wall in the bathroom? Go on there, slap it on there, take a cool artsy photo. I will admit that I'm a sucker for the portrait mode. So, um, you know, the best photo winner might not be so much the, as much the location, but more of the location combined with the photo. So, like I said, we got about 25 stickers left. Um, you know, anybody from now on that requests one. If you already have requested a sticker and it's been mailed out, don't ask again. I'm not sending you another sticker. Don't try to, you know jip us or trick us by you know putting on a beanie and changing your name from michelle to nichelle you're not going to trick us we know who you are and you already got a sticker so don't even try it so from now on with these last 25 we're going to send these out and we challenge you to just put it somewhere cool to snap a photo off put it in the facebook group and the winner chosen by me and fran will receive a cool prize yet to be determined so um yeah that's it that's my that's my little bit of news fran please take it away so my affirmative murder this week is Andrew Philip Cunanan. Mm -hmm. Ring a bell? Again, I think it does, but I don't know why. Okay. Babe, you will. I'm sure you've heard this one. Was born on August 20 31st, 1969 okay. in National City, California mm -hmm. to Modesto Pete Cunanan, a Filipino-American, okay. and Marianne Shalishi, sure. an Italian-American. The youngest of four children. Oh, it's, it's, it's Italian? Yeah. It's probably Scalisi or Scalisi, something like that. Scal okay. Okay, Marianne Scalisi, an Italian-American. The youngest of four children. Modesto was serving in the U.S. Navy in the Vietnam War at the time of his son's birth. After leaving the Navy, where he had served as a career officer, he worked as a stockbroker. Oh, okay. 
1981, Cunanan's father enrolled, enrolled him in an independent day school, the Bishop School, in affluent La Jolla neighborhood of San Diego. At school, Cunanan was remembered as being bright and very talkative and testing with an IQ of 147. Oh, damn! Oh, wow. So, dude was a genius. God um, damn. Yeah. As a teenager, however, he developed a reputation as a prolific liar given to telling fan- fantastic tales about his family and personal life. He's probably bored and smarter <laughs> than everybody else. Uh, yeah. Uh, he was also adept, adept at changing his appearance according to what he felt was most attractive at a given time. Ooh. Yeah. This guy's ooh, this guy's crafty. Sounds dangerous. Yeah. Like I'm a jock today. Trying to get this trying to get this girl to like Throw him. A leather, so now a letterman's jock. jacket on. Sti- uh, stitch a C on it. <laughs> I'm the captain of my school's football team. Nonetheless, in high school, he was voted less likely to be forgotten. Which was Is that a is that a superlative? I didn't know that there was one you could get. Less like least likely to be Yeah, for, least likely to be forgotten. Least likely to be forgotten? Yeah. That doesn't sound like a good thing or a bad thing. That doesn't that doesn't sound, you know, like it's like funniest, yeah. you know, most most photogenic. These yeah. are all like compliments. That is, that could be bad. Yeah. I'll never forget O.J. Simpson, but not for a good reason. Well, at that time, it was like, well, I guess because he was smart and then he was, he probably was like, you know, the cool, one of the cool guys, maybe. Was he? I don't know. <laughs> if they were, why would know. they just say most popular? That's a, one of those. Like Maybe he did some crazy shit. Oh, you remember that guy, Andrew? Remember that day he uh, choked out the principal and then pretended to be the principal? He tricked us all? That was funny. I'll never forget that. He's the least likely to be forgotten. Yeah. And then, I mean, he... Andrew Coonanan. At the end of the story, well, it fit. I mean... Sure. I mean, I'm excited to see where this goes. This guy sounds like a a winner. So in in 1988, when Coonanan was 19, Modesto... Modesto deserted his family and moved to the Philippines Damn. to avoid arrest for embezzlement. Ooh, yeah. white collar crime. <laughs> the same year, Cunanan was, who was openly gay in high school, okay. and even had the connect, even had connections with wealthy older men. Ooh, so you know he, he was, was a sugar baby. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Yep. His daddy left, so he got him a daddy. Yeah. So check them out. Me and my mom the other day, and my mom. A girl came up to me, she was like, hey, how you doing? I was like, I'm doing good, how you? So, it was like four of them. The last girl, she stopped, she stopped like in mid-sentence, whatever. And she was like, damn, Zaddy. Like, Zaddy, like, what the fuck is a Zaddy, though? Wow. <laughs> it's a thing, man. It's a thing. Had, be- had begun uh, frequenting, frequenting local gay clubs and restaurants, and his deeply religious mother, Mary Ann, learned that Cunanan was gay. During an argument, Cunanan threw his mother against a wall, dislocating her shoulder. Later, examinations of his behavior from reports indicates that he may have suffered from antisocial personality disorder, a personality disorder characterized by an abnormal lack of remorse. After graduating from high school in 1987, Cunanan enrolled in the University of of California Mm -hmm. in San Diego, where he majored in American history. <laughs> what do you even do with that degree? I don't know. Become a history teacher? Guess so. Uh, what do you like? What's the, what's the people that um that work in museums do the tours? A tour maybe, guy? Maybe he does that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. That's big aspirations this guy got. He has 147 IQ. He wants to be a 
He could be a anything he wants. Or a history teacher? It's the same. After dropping out two years later, he settled in Castro District of San Francisco. In San Francisco, Town and Country reports Cunanan, who also used the alias Andrew De Silva. Okay. Andy Cummings and Drew Cunningham and Court and Kurt Matthew Damaris became a fixture in the nightlife of Castro District, a gay neighborhood befriending wealthy older men and also reportedly took an interest in creating violent pornography. Oh. Yeah. Cunanan also socialized in the Hellcrest and La Jolla neighborhoods of San Diego, as well as Scottsdale, Arizona. Apparently living off the largest of one wealthy patron or another. So he was just like dating these older guys. Yeah. Just living off of them, spending their money. Thanks, Bill. Go yeah. out to the clubs at night. <laughs> Violent pornography, though. Yeah. Wow. And, and at least in part supporting himself by dealing drugs. Oh, so this guy was just doing all of it. Yeah. All with a 147 IQ. He like that's genius level. Like wasted, wasted, (laughs) wasted potential, man. In 1996, Cunanan and Norman Blatchford, the wealthy older man who had been hosting and financially supporting him, broke up. Cunanan now on his own maxed out his credit cards. That sounds like the name of a a a guy that's rich but also is very ugly. Norman Blatchford. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a rich person name. Rich, but like a rich nerd. <laughs> like, the only reason he's getting any kind of play from anybody is because he's rich. He's rich, yeah. He has a voice like, hey, you want to maybe go out? And he's like, push his finger up on, fix his glasses. But he got white tape between his glasses. Yeah. But he also has like a, a Maserati. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Conanna's friend Jeffrey, Jeff Trail, had told Trail's former roommate, Michael Williams, that Conanna had resumed his old profession that... Of selling that of selling drugs. Okay. Cunanan also began increasingly consuming them. Oh. In the late in late April 1997, Cunanan told friends he was leaving town, beginning with a visit to Minneapolis to visit two men, both of whom he he had both of whom had distanced themselves from him. His former lover David Madsen, 33, an up and coming architect, and their mutual friend who was 28, a district manager of propane delivery company, Hank Hill. What? Say no. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> their mutual friend Trail, who was 28 and district manager of the propane delivery company <laughs> and a former U.S. Navy officer. Oh, man. Come on, man. <laughs> yes, after, after which Cunanan was moving to San Francisco. On April. I really, I really, I'm sorry. <laughs> I really thought because you said like I might I might have heard this I was like, is Hank Hill based on a character from a true crime story that they just took the name and and, and <laughs> does he sell propane? Is that really in the story? Yeah, he sells propane. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he's a district manager at the propane delivery company. That is Hank Hill's job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> wow. Now you listen to me, Mister. I work for a living, and I mean real work, not writing down gobbledygook. I provide the people of this community with propane and propane accessories. Well played, sir. Sorry. <laughs> On April 24th, Cunanan and four friends attended a go-away party at California, at a California mansion, a rare occasion when Cunanan did not cover the food tab. On April 25th, Cunanan arrived, Cunanan arrived in the Twin Cities and stayed at Madsen's loft apartment. Cunanan's killing spree began in Minneapolis, on April 27, 1997, 
with the murder of his close friend Jeffrey Trail, a former U.S. Navy officer and propane salesman. Mm-hmm. And Follow- this is the person whose who's, uh, condo he was staying at. Yeah. Uh, no, that was David Madsen, the condo he was... The, the You mean the law he was staying at? Yeah. Yeah, that's David Madsen. Oh, okay. This is Jeffrey Trail. Oh, okay. Cannon beat Trail to death with a claw hammer oh. and left his body rolled up in a rug in the loft apartment belonging to the architect David Manson. Mm. Manson, who who had once been Cunanan's lover, was his second murder victim. Manson's body was found on the east shore of Rush Lake near Rush City, Minnesota, on May 3rd, 1997, with gunshot wounds to the head and back. Cunanan oh. next drove to Chicago, so he was in Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota mm-hmm. and drove to Chicago, and killed 72-year-old Lee Minglin, a prominent real estate developer. On May 4th, 1997, Minglin had been bound with duct tape, securing his hands and feet, wrapped, securing his hands and feet and wrapped around his head. He was then stabbed over 20 times with a screwdriver and had his throat sawed open with a hacksaw. Oh god. Following this murder, Cunanan became the 449th fugitive to be listed on the FBI 10 most wanted fugitive fugitive list. Jesus Christ. William Reese, this is his next victim. Uh-huh. Five days later, Cunanan had taken Minglin's car, so he killed that guy, took mm-hmm. his car, found his fourth victim in Pennsville, New Jersey. So now he's there, he's no longer killing. These are no longer people he knows. Um, the first, the first two were the first two were people his, he knew. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm guessing not. Jeez. Yeah, I don't think he knew these other people. Maybe he did. Maybe they were ex-lovers or something. Well, Lee Minglin was a was a prominent real estate develop, developer, so he was a rich guy, I'm guessing. And he maybe he used to date that guy, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. So he found his fourth victim in Pennsville, New Jersey, uh-huh. at Finns Point National Cemetery. Cunanan shot and killed 45-year-old caretaker William Reese, then stole his red pickup truck. While the manhunt focused on Reese, Reese's stolen truck, Cunanan hid in plain sight in Miami Beach, Florida, oh. for two months. Before committing his fifth and final murder, he even used his own name to pawn a stolen item. Okay. Miami. <laughs> despite he's knowing gay. that despite knowing that police routinely check pawn shop records for stolen merchandise. His last victim, Gianni Versace. Yep. On July 15, 1997, Cunanan murdered Italian fashion designer Gianni Versace by shooting him twice on the front stairway of his house. Yep. Versace's Miami Beach mansion. Yep. A witness attempted to pursue Cunanan but was unable to catch up to him. Responding, police officers found Reese's stolen vehicle along with Cunanan's clothes and alternative passport and newspaper clippings of Cunanan's murder in nearby parking garage. Mm. So, so he, he had he newspaper and clippings of his own yeah. killings? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so he was loving what he was doing. He yeah. was just, he was I'm soaking it all in. collage. Yeah. Jeez. On, Jan- on July 23rd, 1997, eight days after killing Versace with with law enforcement on his hot ch- on his trail, Cunanan killed himself with a self-inflicted gunshot through the mouth. Oh. Yeah. In the upstairs bedroom of Miami Beach houseboat, in committing suicide, Cunanan used the same gun he killed he used to kill Madsen, Reese, and Versace. Oh wow. Which he had stolen from the first from the first of his five victims, Jeff Trail. Cunanan's cremated remains are interred at a mausoleum at Holy Cross Catholic Cemetery in San Diego, California. Wow. Somebody, there's always somebody out there that loves you, I guess. Why? I don't know. That's very expensive. <laughs> That's way more expensive than, like, just a headstone. You get a little apartment, basically. But he was cremated. 
And they got his urn, like, you know, oh, up on it. a little ledge or something. Like in Coco, which we've been referencing a lot. Uh, you know, uh, what's that guy's name? How many times do you watch that show, man? I don't know his name, but you talking about the guitar. The, 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 the fancy guy. The fancy guy. I want to be like, uh, yeah. <laughs> ooh, oh, I can't remember his name. Oh, but yeah, he has a... Uh, he has a uh, he has a mausoleum. But why though? I want to be like Ernesto de la Cruz. <laughs> That's his name. That's his name. Cunanan's precise motivation remains unknown. At the time of the murders, there was extensive public press speculation that tied the crimes to Cunanan's discovery that he was HIV positive. Oh. However, an autopsy found him to be HIV negative. Oh, so just a rumor. Yep. Um, before I read the negative part, I was like, oh shit. Maybe you know, those tabloids are so gross that they were like. <laughs> They were probably like, Andrew Cunanan killed Gianni Versace because he gave him AIDS. Yep. And he's an alien. You know those tabloids that would be by the Snickers bars mm-hmm. when you go get your groceries? They are super wrong. Oh, man. <laughs> but they used to be even worse back in the 90s. Wow. Like, it'd be like, Brad Pitt is a woman, and he's from Mars. You'd be like, whoa, what? <laughs> but people would buy him, you know? That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> Tabloid, man. That's crazy. Although police searched the houseboat where Cunanan died, he left no suicide note and few personal belongings. Now, again, I think it should be a law passed mm-hmm. that says you should have some type of uh, suicide note or, like, anything that you've done uh-huh. before you, like, die or kill yourself or if you're on your deathbed. How would that law be enforced? I just, I don't know. <laughs> I just think because when it. That's not we, a law that makes any sense at all. Like, <laughs> when, we talk about, you, when we talk about cold cases, like, uh-huh. I no, wish that no, we could no, just. No clues. Nothing. No closure. It just, oh. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to have a good, uh, uh, easy time trying to get a law passed that says, like, before you die or kill yourself, you need to tell anything. You got to write something down, or else you go to jail. We're going to put your body in jail. It's just Even gonna your be, dead body is going to be in gonna jail. It's going to be sitting in jail. We aren't going to bury you. I just feel like we should, I don't I don't like us not knowing. Going on with, and we just don't know. But that's not your right to have. See, that's Google did that to you, man. Sometimes you just don't have answers, man. We live in a world where if you don't know something, you can just look it up and now you know it. Sometimes you just don't know stuff. And I'm not okay with that, but I'm also <laughs> not okay with being like, you know what? We need to try to make a way to that. You like, you have to write something down to tell us what, why the fuck you did this or else something bad is, is something repercussions. Nothing, gotta, nothing bad has to happen. Just tell us. If you're about to die, just tell us what you but just But if you don't want to, that's us. your business. You know, if you know that that's sucks. how you choose to do it. That's, that's, we hate it. But if that's how you choose to go out, you know, you don't have to leave a note. That's a that's a big fuck you. Like, I'm not going to tell anybody why I did this. Fuck y'all. I'm out. That's savage. That's the ultimate fuck you. If anything, that's what you can take from it. Fuck y'all. Mm. I'm not telling y'all shit. And I'm out. <laughs> Drops the mic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so surprising investigators given his reputation for acquiring money and expensive possessions from wealthy older men. Police considered few... Of the findings to be of note, except multiple tubes of hydro hydrocortisone mm-hmm. cream and fairly extensive collection of fiction by C. C. S. Lewis. Sure. And there was a um, there was a documentary documentary of this that came out in January, I believe. The show. Uh, it's called the Assassination of Gianni Versace, American Crime Story. Yeah, that's yeah, that was a show. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was I've a show. I think it. Penelope Cruz was in it. I I meant to check it out. I didn't. Mm-hmm. It just was one of those kind of things where that came right off the heels of, you know, I don't know, FX or somebody decided, yeah, let's just FX. let's just bring back, mm-hmm. let's just tell these stories again. And it was after the OJ documentary had come out and they had the OJ show 
which I watched both. The documentary was better than the show. But it was it, that long ago? Yeah. The OJ? The, the OJ the, show? You talking about the, the like the full part? No, the oh. documentary, th- this is all like two years ago. Oh, oh, but I'm okay. just saying, this, say. in January, it was still more fresh. Right. Okay. Like, I had just watched the OJ show. They had mm-hmm. a show, like this Gianni Versace show. Mm-hmm. They had an OJ show with, like, a person playing OJ. It was Cuba Gooding Jr. And they had, a you know, a person, there was a lady from American Horror Story was playing, uh, what's her name, uh, uh, the other lawyer. And uh, they, they it was a whole show. Mm-hmm. And then this show came on, it was like, I mean, what are we going to, you know? And I think they had a they had another thing that was like about the Menendez brothers, like CSI oh, had yeah. did a Menendez brothers season. And I was like, look, man, I mean, look, we yeah. are these are why why do we keep talking about these stories? I remember know? the OJ show because I feel like the part that people was most talking about was the kids that played the Kardashians, come Kardashians. Uh, but that that <laughs> makes me angry because they were only in like one episode, right? But it was but, like who but people was shit, just like know? going off about it. Like I remember yeah. that most. I was like. Really, and they didn't even have to put that in the show. They purely did that for ratings. Oh, be yeah, like, most oh my god, dad! It's like, what do you need, Kim? It was like, oh my god, who cares, man? Like, I don't understand why people watch those people. I don't even want to talk about them on this. Show. Yeah, but that, <laughs> god, but that was my first murders, Andrew Cunanan. Okay, Andrew Cunanan. That's why that name sounds familiar. Yes, he yeah. killed Gianni Versace. Yep. Yes, all right. So okay, yeah, yeah, nice, nice, nice. All right. I like how you went around and then got back, yeah. bam, and then boom. And then yeah, because like, he comes is, up this early. Is how you know he it. comes up early into the story, but I was like, I don't want to save it. That that makes it not. Yeah, make... you blow your load, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, wait, man. Whoa, <laughs> yeah, we gonna move on. Well, um, I guess that's it. We don't really have anything. Else. Oh yeah, wait, no, we do have something else to talk about, Fran. Are you ready? <laughs> Again? Are you ready? <sighs> yeah, man. All right. And now it's time for true crime. Yeah, that's right, folks. Welcome to another installment of the game show where I try to fluster, flummox, frustrate, and frazzle my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Fran, are you ready to get frazzled this week? Uh, yeah. All right. I'm undefeated right now. So yes, you are. And we're looking to break that this week, folks, and I got a doozy for him. Okay. All right. <clears throat> a serial killer kidnapped people and made them take one of two pills. One was harmless. And the other was poisonous. Whichever pill the victim took, the serial killer would take the other one. The victim took their pill with water and died. The killer survived. How did he always get the harmless pill? All right, so... Mm-hmm. He made his victim take one of two pills. Walk me through it. Mm-hmm. The harmless pill. What's the other one? One of them was harmless. One of, the harmless, one of them was poisonous. Poisonous, okay. And the victim took his pill with water mm-hmm. and died. Yeah. But the killer did this all the time with all of his victims, uh-huh. and he always picked the pill that wasn't poisonous. Okay. So what What, what are you asking me again? How what did he th- always How did, how did he, he always die? How did he not die? Mm-hmm. Because... 
he makes his victim pick first. Sure, but he then takes the other pill every time. He's had multiple victims. Let's just say he's had he's had fifteen victims, never mm-hmm. died, not once. How's he so lucky? What's his secret? He's not swallowing the pill. No, he is. He's swallowing the pill. Yeah. Okay, let me try. The answer cannot be you don't know. You got to give me something and lock it in. Final answer. From now on, I'm not giving you any opportunities. I'm not even going to respond to your answer because I feel like last week I went, B? And you went, "Uh, no, no. Uh, (laughs) So from now on, I'm just going to say your answer, final answer, lock it in, and then that's it. All right. So the victim took the pill with water. Mm Mm-hmm. Didn't die. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you say he is swallowing the pill? Yeah. They're both swallowing their pills. Because he didn't take it with water. Who, the serial killer? Yeah. That's my answer. Final answer. Yep. <laughs> You know, I'm going to give you that one, friend. You have not been frazzled this week because, in fact, because, in fact, the poison was not in the pill. The poison was in the water. The victim would always drink the pill with water. The poison was in the water. Therefore, the victim would always drink the poison and die. And the, the, the serial killer did not take his pill with water. Somehow, friend, I don't think that's where your head was at. No, nope. that's what you said. So this week, you have managed to somehow not be frazzled. Once again, you are three for three. Yep. And I have not been able to frazzle friend once again. God damn it. Yes. Uh, I don't really have much else to say. I really thought that one was going to get you. Uh, Fran, uh, please take it away. Send us off, man. I don't really have anything else to say. Okay. Um. Oh, for all you listeners out there, go give us five-star ratings because we need those. Also, when you do five-star ratings, put um in your comments what cereals that you would want one of us to try. All right, yeah, so do that. But, you know, this is your, this is your host, Fran Star, with my... My co-host, Alvin Alvin, Williams. Williams. Hey, man, I got you. Alvin Williams. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, y'all have a good night. Catch y'all next week. Um, This is Affirmative Murder. Your boy, Fran Deuces. Deuces. I wasn't done. done. Deuces. I wasn't done. This your boy, Fran Star. And that's it. Deuces. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 